0: You know, it was a day like today, really, where I stood at the top of a hill looking down on a green, 150 yards away, light breeze in my face, sun shining all around. I took my 7-iron, nice gentle swing, swung through, struck that Nike golf ball, watched as it elevated, beautiful shot, right away, the people in my group were like, oh, you're going to like that. Oh, that's nice. That's right at the pin. And I watched it as it took a big hop on the green, and then a little hop, and then bloop, right in the cup. And it's like everything went in slow motion. All my friends were like, did that go in? And I'm like, yes, it went, you know, and slapping high fives and cheering. And it was awesome. It was this incredible moment. It was fantastic. A whole, how many professional golfers did you see hit a hole in one last week on the PGA Championship? I didn't see any. <laughs> Don't look at the rest of my scorecard, though, because it was ugly. It's good to have those professionals back on TV, it's good to have uh, some NBA, some Major League Baseball, hockey, NFL possibly coming. I was thinking about teaching on Vision this week, and I started thinking about this hole-in-one. I started thinking about these sports, one of the things these sports all have in common is that they all have scorecards, right? They all keep score, and so I started thinking, you know, what does a hole-in-one look like for the church? What does a hole-in-one look like now in the middle of a global pandemic for the church? Does it look different? What's our scorecard? You know, we keep, we keep scoring sports so that we can know who's winning and who's losing. And I think it's important for us to have a scorecard in the church so we can know whether we're winning, whether we're gaining ground on our mission, or whether we're losing ground on our mission. And I think this is especially true at a time like this. When it feels like so much has been lost, when, when, when so many plans have changed, it can feel like maybe we're not doing things right anymore. At times, it feels like we're being kept out of the end zone, or maybe like we're being kept off the playing field altogether. We keep hearing, these are unprecedented times. Anybody tired of hearing that? Yeah. You know, I think it's not true. I don't think these are unprecedented times. This isn't the first time things like this have happened. Our world, in fact, has seen much worse. This might be the first time you and I have experienced a global pandemic. It might be the first time, or this might be like the the division, the hostility, the anger that we see might be greater now than what we've ever seen in our lifetime. But the world has experienced much worse. And the church has definitely seen much worse. In fact, I think if we look at the first century church, we'd be surprised to see so many similarities between their circumstances and our own. For example, they had no buildings to worship in. In fact, they they were separated and scattered into small groups and they were forced to worship in home. In fact, the first 300 years of the church, of the Christian church, severe persecution kept them dispersed. And on top of this, in 250 AD, there was a pandemic that spread through the Roman Empire. Did you know this? It was killing 5,000 people a day in the city of Rome alone. Amazing similarities between the early church and what we find ourselves in today. Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest friends, was a leader in starting the church, in one of the early churches. And I want you to listen to how he opens his letter and what he says to the Christians living in those strange days. He writes this, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, in other words, it's on mission for Jesus Christ, to God's elect, those exiles, those people who were chosen by God to be in his family, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, May grace and peace be yours in abundance. He says, church, followers of Jesus, I know you're going through a really difficult time right now. I know you're dispersed. I know that we can't worship like we want to. We can't live like we want to, experience the full freedom that we want to. But this doesn't change the fact that God chose you to be part of his family. And remember what that means. It means that all of his grace and all of his peace are available to you even now in Abundance. We are part of that same church today that Peter started. Peter says the same thing to you and me this morning. He says, I see you separated. I know you're being forced apart right now and, and aren't able to do things like you used to, but wherever you are, whether you're in Galatia or Grundy County, Whether you're in Cappadocia or Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Waverly, online or offline, wherever you are, that's where the church is. You are the church. You're part of God's family, the elect. You've been chosen to represent him wherever you are. Whether you're in your home, whether you're back at work in your office, in your neighborhoods, in your communities, and above all, God's grace and peace are available to you in abundance even now. I think what Peter's doing is so important for us to remember right now. He is casting vision by defining who we are right now in our current reality as we try to follow Jesus through really difficult times, uncertain times. And don't miss this, because I think this is really important. And When Jesus died, everything changed for his followers. And when there was severe persecution, lives were completely upended. And for anyone who was keeping score at that time, it certainly seemed like followers of Jesus were losing. And the mission was all but over, right? People are being scattered into exile just to survive. And all of a sudden, there's, there's nothing normal about their lives. There's nothing that looks familiar. The life in front of them with Jesus looks completely different than the life behind them with Jesus. And before they could determine or figure out a vision for the future, they had to take time to get clear on what they knew to be true about their current reality. And for Peter... It starts with remembering who you are. And we might not be battling the same kind of severe persecution that they were, but in terms of being in unfamiliar territory with an unpredictable future, I think we can relate. I think our, our, our situations share some similarities. And Peter reminds us, You know, vision isn't always about being able to see what's ahead of us. It isn't always about looking into the future. And thank God, because I don't know about you right now, I don't know what the future holds. Everybody has some ideas about what the school year is going to look like. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the future holds for my kids, for coronavirus and a vaccine, for our economy, for the church. The vision isn't always about defining what will be. Sometimes vision is about defining what is right now. And right now, that's what vision is. Vision is as much or more about defining what is as it is defining what will be. We need to look at our current reality, and we can learn a lot from Peter about how he defined reality for the church in the middle of a crisis And he created this vision that compelled the church forward with a clear scoreboard. And at the top of that scoreboard, remember who you are and remind one another. And before we return to Peter, I want to share something else about our current reality Something that I think's important because, you know, as, I, as we check in with each other, as we, as we talk with other family and friends and other people in the church, it's, it's not hard to hear the stress and the worry. See how people are tired and there's frustration and there's anger, these are all part of our current reality. I was out, at, I was out getting groceries the other day and, and this, uh, this older woman, actually she's probably my age, <laughs> maybe a little older, and, and, and she is asking for help from this young salesperson and, and asking for where something is, and the person is trying to show them where it is on the shelf, and it's not there. And this woman just says to this young salesperson who's trying to help her, this store is just getting worse all the time. Now, maybe that's a part of our reality regularly, but what's underneath this anger, this frustration, right, this fear, this, uh, this worry, this concern, I think all of these things are just being magnified, this grief, all the loss that we're dealing with, it's just being magnified and it's coming out in all kinds of different ways. I'm grieving, you know, I'm grieving my kids' futures, which are all up in the air and all messed up right now. I'm grieving kids missing out on all kinds of opportunities right now, just not in their future, but even right now. I'm grieving some of my friends who are going through medical emergencies and they're not able to have loved ones present with them to encourage them to be with them as they go through these dark times. Or friends who have lost small businesses or, or, or they were struggling with their small businesses and then they got hit by this derecho last week. And it has really clobbered them, or some of my farmer friends. I I grieve that we don't get to have the gathering this year, as Carla was talking about. I sure hope that you'll come to our outdoor church on the 30th. Coming to church. Being able to get a hug or high-five or share encouragement with one another or worship as a large group together, worship God together. These things were like food for our soul, and it's just not happening in so many places in the ways that it used to happen. You know, I think God actually invites us to lament these things. He invites us to share our grief, our frustration, our fears, our anxieties with him. And I think it would be wrong for us to just charge ahead into a vision for the future without taking a second to lament together as a church some of these things about our current reality. I've been doing a little bit of this 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 summer and um, just been reminded how God invites us to do this and how encouraging and how much peace it can bring one of the things I've learned, though, is lament isn't just about sharing our grief and our frustration, but it's about remembering who God is and what he's doing in the midst of this current reality. Remembering what he's promised, what he's up to. And so I want to share with you a lament that I've been going back to over and over again this summer that has brought me a lot of encouragement and a lot of peace. And I'm not going to put the words on the screen, Instead, I want you to just take a deep breath. Maybe if you want to, you'll close your eyes. Unless you're operating heavy machinery, you driving right now. Keep your eyes open. Maybe you're sitting at home and you can look out the window at some beautiful scene, but just, just listen to these words from Eugene Peterson's take on the author, what he writes in Lamentations 3. He says this. I'll never forget the trouble... The utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's another thing I remember. And remembering, I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness, God? I'm sticking with God. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope. Quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. When life is heavy and hard to take, go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Because the master won't ever walk out and fail to return. Is that good news? We can see the hardship, we can see the challenge. It feels like God's walked out, but he doesn't never failed to return. He doesn't ever fail to provide his love and his mercy every day. Will you pray with me right now? God, I just want to pause in the middle of this teaching and just acknowledge that, Lord, there are a number of people in our church that life just kind of sucks right now. Uh, There's a lot of suffering. Uh, There's a lot of people who are alone. There's a lot of people who are lonely. There's a lot of people who are scared. God, you see all of this. God, we believe that you are with us and you are for us. And God, it might be hard for us to see you right now, but I just know that you're still at work making all things new. And so I would just ask, Lord, that you would help us through your spirit to activate our faith, to look for you, that we might find hope and that we might be able to join in the work you're doing right here and right now in the midst of our current circumstances. It's in your name we pray, amen. You know, I think this invitation to lament is such a great gift from God. I think it helps us remember who God is, and that keeps us grounded in his presence and his promises, and those need to be on our scorecard. God is with us, God is for us. Now let's go back to Peter. And remember, he started his letter by saying, I know you're scattered, I know you're going through a hard time, I know you're experiencing hardship, but remember, even though on your scorecard it looks like you're losing, remember who you are. Wherever you go, you have access to God's full grace and peace. Everywhere you go, everywhere I go, that's where the church is. The church is never closed. And then Peter says, let me explain this to you. Because it's not just about who you are, it's also about what you do. And he says this. He says, you are a chosen and royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once, you weren't a people, but now you are are the people of God. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you then as foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul and live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In our lament, we remember who God is in the midst of challenging times, uncertain futures. And for Peter, it seems just as important to remember who we are and what we are invited to do, how we're invited to live in these uncertain times. And he reminds us, everything around the world can change, but who we are, how we're invited to live, remains the same. When Peter says, you are a chosen royal priesthood, he isn't just throwing out a bunch of fancy words. It's not just about an identity of who we are. He's also saying something about who we do. He's actually looking back in history to another time when God's people were disoriented because they found themselves in a completely new reality. They'd been rescued from slavery in Egypt and they're wandering in the middle of this desert And what was ahead of them looked nothing like the life that was behind them. And as they looked at the life behind them, they actually gave that a much higher score on their scorecards than the life that was ahead of them. And they wanted to go back to Egypt. And God invites Moses up on the mountain and says, let me help you out. Let me help you define your place in this new reality. And he says to them, you know, if you'll follow me, if you'll obey me, if you'll do what I'm, what I'm leading you and asking you to do, he says this. He says, then, out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession, my chosen people. You will be, for me, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. What's God mean, a kingdom of priests? What is this, this, this priesthood that they're talking about? Well, back in the day, priests... Right? They, were, they were chosen to represent God to everyone else. They didn't just speak for God, but they served God and others. They were his ambassadors. God poured his life and his blessing into them, filling them up, and it would overflow onto other people. Now fast forward to the final book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, and John sees this vision of these people and all these creatures who are praising Jesus together in a big worship experience, and they're praising Jesus for his sacrifice on the cross, which paid the debt for our sin, essentially buying us back from death so that we could enter into life, into God's kingdom. And then they sing this line, they say, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for God. Peter says, don't let uncertainties rob you of your future. Your identity and your role as members of God's family, as his church remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are God's ambassadors. The vehicle of God's blessing to the world. Put that On your scorecard. In uncertain times, Peter chose to focus on what he knew to be true about the church's current reality, defining who the people were and what their role was as the church, as followers of Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus, this is your current reality. You are an ambassador, a vehicle of his blessing, here to pass that blessing along to other people. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, this is the life you're being invited into. This is what Jesus was all about, what he had in mind when he invited people to follow him so that they could come to abundant life. And then he says, now follow my example, my priestly example By doing as I do and serve others. Another way of saying this, maybe a more simple way of saying this, is that every day we're invited to live life as though we're on a mission trip. Just like Carla said. We're to take what God gives us. He pours out these blessings. He gives us strengths and talents and gifts and resources, and all this stuff. And he says, take them, let them bless you. Let them bless your family. And then share those blessings with the people around you as a holy nation of priests. So that people who don't know God can encounter Jesus. And who knows, maybe they'll even come to put their faith in Jesus And when God comes back, they'll be praising him right along with us. That's a whole in one. Peter doesn't say anything about prioritizing, getting the church back together as fast as we can to worship together. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that's not important at all. I'm not saying important things don't happen. This is an important time for us when we gather together. But it's not the core identity and role of the church. And if we think it is, we've missed Jesus' intention with establishing the church. That's not God's mission for our church. God has a church for his mission. God doesn't have a mission for the church. God has a church for his mission. It's kind of like, you know, a football team. You don't see them score too often when they're standing in the huddle, right? They have to break the huddle in order to score. It doesn't mean what happens in the huddle isn't important. They get rest. They get encouragement. They coach each other up. They celebrate. All kinds of important things happen in the huddle. But the world is waiting for the church to break its huddle and go out and make a play so that they can cheer the big score every day. We're invited to live our life as though we're on a mission trip. At our staff meeting last uh, Monday, Chris Hoskinson shared a great story of somebody who's from our church who's doing this exact thing right in the middle of these hard times. In March, Michelle Stricker was forced to close down this photography business that she'd owned and operated for 10 years because of the coronavirus. And uh, it'd been a source of great passion and purpose and income for her for 10 years. And all of a sudden it's gone and, and so she took some time to be with her family, and then she decided, you know what? She took some time to reflect on who she was and who she is. And she remembered some of her gifts, one of them being this incredible penmanship and this passion, how she used to enjoy making signs for people. And she started praying about what she could do. And then God nudged her. And I'll let her finish telling you the story. Take a look at this.
1: One time I was going through a really rough patch in life and I was given this this card um, about the same size as my SMAP cards and all it said on it is you will heal. Um, Still to this day I have that card and it was three simple words and I still have it and I still like if I'm going through that drawer and I pull that card out it still sort of takes my breath away. And so when my photography business was forced to shut down due to the pandemic and I was home trying to homeschool my children and um, had some downtime. I prayed for a little nudge of what to do next. Um, And then in the middle of the night one night, that card came to me that you will heal. And I was like, that's it." It, it. It is a gift given to me from, from God. And you know, I love photography and I, that fulfills me so much getting to meet people and and capture those milestones. Um, but I just knew, I just just had this feeling, and like I said, this nudge that I was made to do more. So SMAC stands for spreading messages of affirmation, compassion, and kindness. When I first wrote my, my first pack, my hope was that somebody received a card like I did, and it changed their life. Now, I mean, a short month, four months later, I receive dozens of pictures and videos and stories and so it's just, I mean I have goosebumps now talking about it. It's just incredible to see what people do with these cards. It's actually people that are giving them, that it's fulfilling them and it's giving them something to look forward to doing and they love sharing and so it's really both sides, the giving and the receiving and it's just, it's just crazy. I think the world needs to see more good. People are just going through so much. This is affecting people in so many different ways, um, and I just think God wants us to see the good. Um, and I think this is just a little glimpse, an easy way for people to share the good.
0: I love that picture. I see the good. I mean, I mean, just look at all that God has done. As, as she took stock of. Uh, of her own woundedness, her own strengths, you know, she had this time where she received encouragement from someone else, she's got these gifts that she can share with somebody else, she has this, uh, this opportunity, this open time, it's, it's an amazing story. And do we think that people need messages of affirmation, compassion, and kindness right now in our current reality? Absolutely. And I love it because this is contagious, too. What Michelle did, uh, she knows how tough things are going to be for our teachers. Carla was praying about that this morning for our teachers and our students as they go back to school. She actually designed a package, uh, one of those smack packs, just for teachers to be able to give encouragement to other teachers and to students. And, and, um, and she was selling like these like crazy in a number of different states. And then one of her friends finds out about it and says, you know, we ought to buy these packs for teachers so they don't have to buy them themselves so that they can use them with students in their classrooms and with other teachers in the schools. And they got a group together, I don't know how many, they bought over 300 packs so that teachers at every grade level in 14 local school districts are going to have these packs to be able to share the good. Wherever Michelle is, wherever her her smack packs are, there is the church helping people see God, helping people see the goodness of God in our world. It's a whole in one. And not only is it contagious for the other people, her own daughter who inherited her penmanship, that teen pack that she was pointing to, her her own daughter wrote this teen pack And is is distributing this teen pack for for teenagers to be able to share with one another. This is happening in so many ways around the church. I wish I had more time to tell the stories. We're celebrating 10 years of daily scriptures right now. If you haven't signed up for daily scriptures, they're online. You can get scriptures sent daily to your email, your inbox. Clint Reedy has this passion for God's word. And he has this gift for writing words about God's word that help us grow. And he's been doing this for 10 years, living every day as though he's on a mission trip. And one last one, a friend of mine told me she was uh, talking to the principal at the school. Uh, Her daughter's gonna be in junior high this year. She's talking to one of the junior high principals. And she's asking about some of the things going on about coronavirus, and when are they gonna, what are they gonna do in the classrooms? And, and some of his answers, I think, were, you know, I, we don't know that yet, we're still waiting. And, and she said, you know, that's okay, I, that, I understand. This is a hard time to figure things out. And, and, and he said something else, and, and she said, that's, he didn't have a total answer. And she said, that's okay, I get it. You know, you guys are working hard, you're trying to make decisions. And he's like, thanks so much for being kind. Conversation went on like this for a while. Thanks so much for being kind. She got off the phone and her husband had overheard the conversation and he said, did he really just thank you like a thousand times for being nice? Yeah. It stands out in our current reality. The fruit of the spirit. Kindness, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, joy. I read this week about a large group of people who don't believe in God, who were polled in March about spiritual matters. And the poll showed that nearly 25% of this group of people are now seeking God as a result of this pandemic. Some of them for the first time in their lives. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to use this time to break the church out of our huddle, And to go make some plays on the field. To give the world something to cheer about. That's our current reality. God is with us. God is for us. You are his dearly loved, blessed ambassadors. Invited to share right now fully in his grace and peace and pass it on. This is our vision. How will you be the church right where you are today. Let's pray. God, we thank you that as much as things change, you remain the same. As much as we might be uncertain about some things, we can be certain about others. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your promise. We thank you for your power. We thank you that you are not only with us here today. Not only have you been with us in the past, but you are already in the future. Thank you for inviting us to be part of your family. Lord, help us to represent you well in the world around us. It's in your name we pray.